Welcome to the Variety Hour on AM 990, where local leaders talk Memphis. Listen to you, move your mind. I bet you come way down south. Now don't tell me, let me guess. You from the town that I love best. Talk Memphis, I wish you would. Talk Memphis, you sound so good. Talk Memphis, high on the bluff. Welcome to Talk Money on AM 990. And now here's your host, Jim Shoemaker. And good morning and welcome to the program this morning. We're very pleased that you've decided to join us this morning. We've got a program that I think you're going to find to be both interesting and entertaining. I have the Powell boys, Nathan <laughs> Nathan, and Michael Powell from the office. And we're going to be talking about subjects that I think everybody kind of looks forward to thinking about. Some of us plan, some of us plan to plan, some of us don't plan. It's all the possibilities, and yet we're going to try to give you some reasons to do that. We're going to talk about five ways that Americans are on on the road to better financial health. And the reality is, you know, there was a study done by the FINRA group, the FINRA Investor Education Group, and they have actually shown us that we have better capacity than we've had in the past to do what's right when it comes to our finances. In fact, they interviewed 27,000 people. And, uh, you know, it's uh, we're going to be positive today. We're not going to be negative. We're going to find out that it's in the trends that they're talking about are encouraging trends. And in the second half of the program, we're going to talk about generational trends in retirement and seven steps to long-term. So, and then, in fact, we're going to play three roles. The three of us are here I'm a millennial. I'm not a millennial. Okay. Yeah, unfortunately. I'm not a millennial. I'm a baby boomer, and we've got a millennial, and we've got a Gen Xer, and we're going to talk about some of the trends today that we're seeing that how we have acted differently from the millennial, the Gen X, and the baby boomer, and how we've acted differently, thinking about planning and thinking about retirement and uh it's surprising. I mean, it's going to be it's going to kind of open your eyes a little bit to find out that one of the group, one of us, one of the this this group of people are doing better than much better than the other two. Now, I am uh, biased here. I am uh, I am in charge of the program. <laughs> and so I will do my best to lean us the way I think it should be. I may not be successful, so you'll have to stay with us to find out exactly what we're going to talk about. In your drum roll. In your drum roll. There you go. But let me introduce these guys. And Nathan, welcome to the program. Thank and Michael, you. welcome hey, to thanks. the program. Thanks. Thanks for having me. You know, we've got a. I really kind of want to set this up for you. There is a study that FINRA did, and they have come out and said that the average American, you know, just how financially secure is the, the the average American. Mm-hmm. And uh, some trends are certainly troubling. Of course, we know that. Mm-hmm. But there is an improvement. So let me say, Nathan, when we come back, I'm going to take a break. When we come back, I want us to walk through some of the things that they we have found out, whether it's buying a home and how much we're saving when we're doing that, whether it's establishing the rainy day fund. Those are trends we're seeing, of course. And then how Americans feel about long term, how they're, they're going mm-hmm. to... That's kind of where we are. The whole process is, you know, they've, they've come up with some better stuff for us, and uh, we're doing a better job. If you just tuned in, I'm Jim Shoemaker. You're listening to Talk Money, and it's on, of course, KWAM 990, the voice of Memphis. And um, I have Nathan 
Powell and Michael Powell, they're not related. No relation. They're, uh, they're definitely not twins, I can tell you that. <laughs> so uh, stay with us, because when we come back, we're going to talk about five ways Americans are on the road to better financial health. Jim Shoemaker, Michael Powell, and Nathan Powell are registered representatives and investment advisor representatives of Security and Financial Services Incorporated, securities dealer member FINRA SIPC. A registered investment advisor, Shoemaker Financial is independently owned and operated. Helping you make the most of your money, Talk Money will return right after this. Take a second and think about the three most important goals or priorities in your life right now. At Shoemaker Financial, their team of qualified and experienced financial professionals is committed to helping you achieve these goals or priorities. From insurance needs to college funding, retirement, or estate planning, Shoemaker Financial is here to help you accomplish your long-term financial objectives. To learn more, visit ShoemakerFinancial.com or contact them at 901-757-5757. At Shoemaker Financial, it's not just the plan, it's the results. If you have financial questions that you would like answered on the program, email them to talkmoney at shoemakerfinancial.com. And now, once again, here's your host for Talk Money, Jim Shoemaker. You know, one of the things that we're going to talk about today is how we are looking at our household income, how we're dealing with things financially. And, and you know, a lot of couples can go through this process and they get entangled and they think about what they're trying to do and they're thinking, you know, I should do this or shouldn't do this. The reality is that it's a very long discussion process. You have to manage that discussion. What the guys are going to talk about today is how some of the management of that discussion goes through. Everybody thinks, well, I can do this and make that decision to pinpoint it and do it right now. The reality is it's usually a process. And that's one of the things that I think we're going to spend some time thinking about that process. But one of the thoughts that I just read from the Census Bureau, which I think is is a kind of sets this whole program up, that 2015, 2015, we had a 5.2% rise in household median income. And that's the largest year-over-year increase ever recorded We've been doing this since 1967 of the median income over year over year. That's from income, medium income over 2014's medium income. Now, that's a big number, guys. You think about that, that we just essentially really we show we're getting paid more. And that's a good thing. Here's the problem with that. The household median income in the United States in 2015, $56,516. Now, the highest level of household median income recorded was $57,909 adjusted for inflation, all those things, in 1999. So we haven't caught up with 1999. And that's a problem. Don't you see that? Absolutely. absolutely. You know, and the the interesting thing is, you know, all of you out there listening, when you're having conversations with your your friends about money, we're going to get into, you know, some of the reasons people are, you know, feeling better or why, you know, this study has found that people are on the road to uh, better financial health. But, you know, the conversations that you have out there with your friends, your family about money, is it more related to, you know, that stat that Jim just quoted where, you know, medium incomes are rising, but they're not quite where they were in 1999. Are you feeling that? And I'm sure that you are. Yeah, I think you're right. Exactly. And I think that's the problem. But many Americans don't have retirement savings. Even more still haven't set aside funds for their children's college tuition. And 
Some of the things that we talk about, these are serious, but there's some good news. Let's start with you, Nathan. Let's go with this. Yep. Have home buyers, home buyers are making more down payments or larger, higher yeah. down payments. Talk and, that, about that. and that is extremely important. You know, the uh, the study found that you know, really that gold standard for a home down payment is 20%, so you can get rid of that PMI and not have those extra charges on your mortgage that you're paying. And, you know, it's a good reason. You put down more or less than that, and you'll be on the hook for more expenses. Yeah, and, you know, in the PMI, your private mortgage insurance. That's right. And right. people forget that that's a... That is the number. And uh, so people are saving for that 20% down payment. So what do you think about that, Michael? I mean, is that, is it, where do you see that headed in it? I see it still going in that direction towards the higher principal payment on the upfront end because you think about long-term, people don't like bills, and the higher they are, the more intimidating it gets for people, especially in my age group. But in a sense, 20% is that rule of thumb, but – it's okay to go for that five ten percent because if you think about a hundred thousand dollar home, twenty percent of that that's twenty thousand dollars. That's a lot of money just to put into a home immediately. So yeah. if we're not preparing for that, we may not be able to get that. That's a good point. But I do I do think though there needs to be the discipline, and I think that survey is saying that people are trying to do that. In fact, last year one in three homeowners made down payments of twenty one percent or more on their new homes. And then in 2009, we saw that as one in four. Yeah, and that's huge. I mean, think about this. You're putting down that down payment so you can lower your monthly mortgage, what you're paying on your house note. Everybody talks about their house note. Well, you know, if you've got a nice, long 30-year mortgage, I mean, there's a lot of strategies for paying off a house. Don't get me wrong. But you carry a nice, long mortgage. I mean, interest rates are incredibly low right now. I mean, I know people that have them at 3.375, you know, and you compare that to putting money in a long-term investment program where you normally can beat that type of rate. You know, do you want to give a dollar to, you know, the bank or the mortgage company at 3.75 or have the opportunity to invest that money since you have a lower down payment and have higher earning potential? But you have no idea that, you know, you can't predict the future. So the reality is past performance, of course, is never an indication of the future. So you have to be careful with that. But what we're saying here is people are trending towards making a larger down payment, one in three today versus one in four in 2009, or at least setting aside 20%. And it's making those lenders feel a lot better about it, too. Well, I think it is. uh, No question about it. And the reality is it's also giving you a sense of ownership. Everybody wants to own a home. And we went through a process where it was too easy. Mm -hmm. And now we're being a little bit more disciplined and we're seeing people, even with the fact that they're having to do that, more people are setting aside. So that's the first thing that, that Finner discovered. And the fact that is that's a promising thing. People are more disciplined, and they are definitely set aside more money. What's the second thing, Michael, that we saw that uh, Finner has given us? We're seeing improvement with people's rainy day funds, which is pretty incredible. Obviously, we know through life things happen. Financial shocks happen, whether it's a health problem, job loss, that savings fund is going to help us try to make those things go away without accumulating more debt. And so usually we're using that rule of thumb of three months of living expenses set aside. Unfortunately, not everybody has that. But as you said earlier, you know, these are great things that we see moving forward. It's improving. Well, yeah, you know, I think one of the, you know, what the study found, you know, 46%, almost half of the people surveyed said that they do have that kind of three-month 
threshold of expenses in an emergency fund or rainy day fund, whatever you want to call it, it's going to hit the fan kind of fund, you know, so mm-hmm. that you've, so when something happens, you're able to, you're not having to go out, find it on credit or leverage something else. You've, you know, socked away some money so you can pay those bills. So that compared to only 35% in 2009 had that same threshold. But I mean, you got to think about that, right? I mean, 2008 had just happened. It's probably no surprise that. Yeah, it's no surprise right. that 2009, if you compare 2009, people may, if they had it invested someplace, of course, they lost it. But but the reality is what Finn was telling us is there's more discipline out there. You know, I think what we've learned in the past 10 years, the decade, which includes 2008 and 2009, mm-hmm. is that there is a sense that there needs to be discipline in our financial life. Mm-hmm. I think prior to that, we'd gotten a little out of control. I mean, there was this mindset, we're not, we're not spending as much money with credit cards today. We are saving more. That's a known fact. Right. We've been talking about that statistic. So I guess if you have to say, what's the, what's the benefit of a crisis like 2008? Nobody likes to think this, but really it comes out, if we survive it, we're better preparing ourselves for the next crisis. You know, and I would look at, I mean, we're going to talk about this, I think, a little bit later, but, you know, generationally speaking, I mean, you look at the technology available today that wasn't available in 2009. I think people are utilizing some of those technologies to help be systematic, help, you know, put discipline in their lives. So, you know, technology and the advances that we've seen, I think, are also attributing to the fact that people are able to be a little bit more, you know, toe in the line of what they're supposed to do and, you know, accomplish those goals that they've been putting out in front of them. Let me capture that because I think that's critical for everybody that, you know, as we're talking to people. Number one, if you're going to buy a house, be disciplined enough to try to have that 20% down payment. That just simply gives you a better sense of ownership. Number one, it lowers your cost. You don't have to buy the private mortgage insurance. And you've disciplined yourself to set that up. And that's a critical part. So number one, save to buy the house. Don't just go out and buy the house because you can just, you know, it doesn't cost you anything. Because ownership does cost. Number two, and I think, you know, Michael, as you talked about it, the rainy day fund, the financial shock mentality, there is going to be those things happen. We have to plan for that. And yet we don't know when it's going to happen. And the reality is some people, if you're really truly optimistic, you know, it's never going to happen to me. It's going to happen to you. Uh, you <laughs> <Yeah. know. laughs> Might happen to both of us in this car wreck, right? <laughs> but the reality is we have to plan for that. And people think, well, I can't afford to do that. And of course, the reality is it's a choice. You know, it, the competition for every emergency fund is not doing it. That's not the competition. It's the 60-inch screen TV. Lifestyle. The, 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 right. the vacation to Disney World or something or whatever, the new, whatever you're going to spend it on. And the reality is you have to approach this type of lifestyle with understanding that you manage your lifestyle, you manage your financial lifestyle, and you have to say, okay, an emergency fund's important. What we're seeing is a good trend. What FINRA's survey is telling us, hey, they are people today doing this much better, much more informally than there were, say, eight, nine, ten years ago. And my uh, rainy day fund might be a lot different than Nathan's. It may be a lot different than yours, Jim. I might, I might sleep at night feeling better with X amount. Nathan may say, well, that's way, way lower than my comfort level. So... 
I think that is something also you got to think about. I think that's a great point. And I think, it, and, and for a married couple, there needs to be a consensus of what that rainy day fund. There needs to be, again, as I started the program, the communication. You know, again, I tell everybody this. A lot of times when we even talk about budgeting, the budgeting, the, the, the husband says, okay, we're going to do a budget. And he says, okay, here we go. And we start that process. Well, it's great for him to control how much money he spent on food, clothing, and shelter, and those things. But he can't go out and buy a bass boat. You know, that's right. that's breaking the the, the budget. You Consumption know? is in direct <laughs> conflict. <laughs> Makes a quick trip to the you know, When he says we're going to that's live right. on a budget, and a month later he pulls up in a bass boat, that is not a good deal. And so. we're looking at a pyramidical, I guess, hierarchy. It's not the same as the Bass Pro no, pyramid. No. You know, we're talking about it's a yeah. different pyramid we're looking at. Exactly. Here, exactly. So. All right, so we've said, you know, save for a down payment, save for the radio day fund. What was the third thing, guys, that, that, that talked about it, Nathan? People are having less trouble, believe it or not, with paying their bills. You know, I read that, and yeah. I thought, wow, that's a, that's, what does that say? I mean, we, we're, in a, we're feeling better, and we're having less trouble. Uh, that I don't, you know, it's amazing that we see that. That's 27,000 people now, the survey yeah. by FINRA. So this is not a, a cheeky little survey. FINRA That's did, right. you know, spent the time and the energy. I was shocked with number three. Yeah, you know, and it's and it's crazy to think about it. In one of the wealthiest nations on earth, more than half of Americans find it challenging to just cover their basic living expenses. You know, and that goes back to just our culture of consumption. I mean, it's just the nature of where we live and people trying to keep up with those things. But like we saw with that rainy day fund trend on the uptick, you know, the recent numbers looking at these, you know, people not struggling as much to pay bills. I mean, it's very encouraging. Yeah, and it correlates back to that emergency fund because if I have a healthy emergency fund, I'm more than likely going to be able to pay any bills that come my way. And regardless of whether you had that plan for that. In other words, the emergency fund is going to cover that unexpected bill. Again, what we're trying to tell everybody is that financially, uh, you know, if we look at someone's financial life, I guess the key word is discipline, is understanding how to avoid getting caught up in the cycle of spending, and I talked about this a couple of weeks ago. That uh, you know, I'm a I'm a Walmart holic. Walmart holic. Uh, you know, <laughs> I have to, I'm in a 21 step program right now. Yeah, right. Try, try to break that. <laughs> yeah. But because you know, it's you not. You just the, coined it, a new phrase too, by the way. Walmart holic. I like yeah. it. But the reality <laughs> yeah. is that you know, you go walking into Walmart. You're supposed to get one thing, and you come out and you've bought four. You know, I mean, it's not that you needed the other three. But, oh, well, you know, maybe I might need that. And so you do that. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, I'll tell you what's brilliant. I mean, you talk about brilliancy, Target. I mean, you walk in, they've got that little dollar oh. thing right when you walk oh. in. It's like, it's the first thing you see. It's like, oh, yeah. I can get, yeah. you know, five erasers for a dollar. What a deal. I, I, need, I didn't know I needed that. <laughs> and you never use the erasers, no. ever. Yeah. No, but you even use his pencils anymore. Yeah. <laughs> I'm a big movie guy, too. And when you said Walmart, oh, I there. immediately thought the $5, five uh, movie bin. Yeah. It is. Like the giant. Yeah, sure. Just <laughs> so, so, but, Always but, there. but it's the discipline of saying, okay, I go get the one item and that's all I get. And for some people, and again, I, I'm confessing, you know, with the 21 step. Hey, yeah. <laughs> Which step are you at, by the way? Yeah. Yeah. But the reality is, it's learning how to be disciplined in your financial life. And again, whether it's a budget, whether it's saving for a down payment, whether it's a rainy day fund, whether you're just paying your bills, as you just mm-hmm. talked about. It is understanding the discipline in your financial life that you need to work around. Yeah. That's the key part. Number four, number five, number four. Number four, more Americans have health insurance. 
Would hey, you, you believe know, that? I would have thought that. You yeah. know, with who the, would have guessed? Yeah. Just, <laughs> just the, due to a little rule that yeah, our president the, of the United States right, with made in 2012. Yeah. So you saw through this survey that people are reporting that substantially jumping from 78% in 2012 to 87% last year. And like you said, all because of the Affordable Health Care Act. Well, yeah, the Affordable Health Care Act. Do you feel that's like right. that what we've got, that uh, it, it's doing the job? Well, I mean, that's the interesting thing also that the study found, that, you know, having health insurance hasn't necessarily protected all Americans, you know, from struggling with, you know, medical bills. I mean, 21%, you know, 2 out of 10, roughly, according to the FINRA Foundation survey, they still have unpaid or overdue medical bills. And, you know, obviously those with no insurance are still, you know, struggling even worse. But, you know, even with, you know, more health care coverage, it's still, it goes back to discipline. We're, we still have a lot of trouble struggling with overdue or paying off balances or having to work something out with a hospital payment plan, you know, or something along those lines where people are, are struggling, even though they have coverage. And, you know, thankfully they're able to, you know, get services that they need, but they're having to pay for it on the back end still. Yeah. This is a problem. I see this a lot where people with unpaid medical bills, this can really bog a person down. I'm glad we have some kind of a Affordable Care Act, and I'm glad the people that want coverage need coverage. I am concerned, and we talked about this a couple of months ago about the program, how the increase in the premiums is going to affect right. a lot of people mm-hmm. getting in November. Yeah, but the reality huge. is that yeah, it is going to be huge. The reality is, though, this is a discipline that people have to understand. I was with someone just this past Tuesday. And they were actually saying to me, uh, we were talking about maybe some of these things that we were discussing today on the program. They were saying to me that they know people, and they do, that are now uninsured, just not buying the insurance, and were more than willing to pay the penalty for not buying insurance. And my thought was, this is a statistic that's going to show up, not today. I don't think it's a part of this statistic, but I do think you're going to find as the premium cost gets higher, people are going to opt out. And, and I know people that, that have done that exact same thing. And the reasoning was, hey, I'm healthy. I never go to the doctor right. anyway. You know, right. paying the penalty is less than what my premiums would be right. for, you know, purchasing the insurance every month. Let me say this to anybody listening that may be contemplating that. Um, you know, that's why insurance is there. That's you right. pay for the risk. Yeah, you might be one of those that's healthy and never have the risk. But the reality is, if that were to change, whether it's a car accident, any type of accident, just like that, yeah, and the reality is it can be devastating to you financially, and that's what we have to think about. And there's probably a break-even point when you talk about, I'm going to avoid paying health insurance, I'm going to avoid that cost, but like we said earlier, the unpaid medical bills, those big debts, you might have that all paid back just from the insurance. No question. No question. If you just tuned in, I'm talking to Michael Powell and Nathan Powell. We're talking about some things that Americans are on better road to financial security, financial health. They're doing better. And we've talked about uh, home down payments. We've talked about rainy day funds. And we've talked about health insurance and, of course, having the ability to pay our bills. We're doing better with that. When we come back, we're going to find out how Americans really, really, really feel about their finances. Stay with us because we'll be back right after this. This material represents an assessment of the market environment at a specific point in time and is not intended to be a forecast of future events or a guarantee of future results. This information should not be relied upon 
by the listener as research or investment advice regarding any funds or stocks in particular, nor should it be construed as a recommendation to purchase or sell a security. Past performance is not indicative of future results. Investments will fluctuate and when redeemed may be worth more or less than when originally invested. You're listening to Talk Money with Jim Shoemaker. Be sure to like us on Facebook. Just search for Shoemaker Financial. Talk Money will return after this. You're listening to Talk Money with Jim Shoemaker. Podcasts of the Talk Money program are available for iOS mobile devices. Go to the iTunes store and search for Shoemaker Financial. Well, you know, we're talking with uh, Michael Powell and Nathan Powell, and uh, we're talking about basically the thoughts that FINRA's kind of walked out and done a survey for us of 27,000 people, and it literally says to us that um, Americans feel like we're on a you know better financial path, that we're doing better, and we've talked about some of the things that we're doing as Americans today, living in the, one of the wealthiest countries, if not the wealthiest country in the world, and uh, it is promising to see that we've made some steps from basically the recession up to today, and they're all very positive steps, and that's a very good thing. Home buyers are making higher down payments. We're up close to a group of people putting down at least twenty-one percent, and that's um, that's a third of us uh, versus uh, back in the, during the recession, only one out of four, and so that's a very good solid movement. More Americans are establishing, as Michael told us. The rainy day fund, the emergency fund, and that's a discipline. And so congratulations to each person that's doing that. And if you're not doing it, think about it. Get serious about having that rainy day fund. Number three, we talked about that we're having less trouble paying bills. Um, uh, Nathan kind of walked us through that process. And the fact that we are one of the wealthiest countries in the world and Literally half the people surveyed, almost half of the people surveyed, said, hey, I am doing a better job. And it has to do that the discipline is there and the discipline of setting aside the emergency fund. So it's we're moving in the right direction, folks. That's the good part. We're, we're thinking. And if you're not doing these things, if you're not, you know, saving for, the, you know, to get into the to a home and setting up 20 percent, you should be. And, you know, that's just a reality. If you don't have a rainy day fund, we should be doing that. And if you're struggling paying bills, give us a call. We'll be glad. These guys will be glad to guide you through some of the ways that we know help people set up a budget, live a disciplined life, and we can give you some kind of shortcuts to how to do that. 757-5757 is our telephone number. Feel free to give them a call. We talked about the fact that more people have health insurance, and yet... Those that we do see a group of people that don't have health insurance, and even with health insurance, we still have people that, you know, get saddled with major medical bills. We did encourage you to understand this very serious. Listen to me very carefully. Do not think that not having health insurance is a good way to go. That's a dangerous, uh, you're on a slippery slope because we just tell you it's managing risk, and risk is real in today's society, and health insurance uh, you know, a medical bill can run up very quickly. I think believe it was Nathan that says sometimes we think we're so healthy. Hey, I never go to the doctor. Hey, I agree with you, but you don't know if that you know, proverbial bus is going to run over you tomorrow. And uh, then you're in the emergency room and you run up a major bill and then you've got to pay for it. So think about that when you when you look at that. And again, whether you it's extended, you get health care. We had someone recently that I know that fell, just slipped on a on a basically a rubber mat at his work. And uh, broke his shoulder, broke two bones in his wrist, broke the bone in another wrist. Yeah. 
you know, was, and now you look at him, it looks like, his, you know, I actually accused his wife of wearing him out with a baseball bat. She said she didn't do it. She said she didn't do it. And I guess I believed her. But, you know, the reality, it was an accident, just a freaky, freaky little accident. And it run up a huge bill. Now, now we're down to number five, guys, from the survey. Number five, tell me what we've got. More Americans feel good about their finances. And that would make sense, too, because if you see that Americans are on the right road for better health, if I have a healthier financial situation, I'm going to feel a lot better about it. And with the low unemployment that we've had you know, recently and the stock market being a lot better since our pre-recession peak we had, I mean, it would stand reason that we do feel more comfortable about it from a personal situation. Yeah, up to you know, about 31% of people say, hey, I'm, I feel better than I did. <laughs> yeah. And that's, and that's huge. I mean, we want... That's, you know, our job is to help people understand their finances, help people make, you know, informed decisions and understand how their money works and how their debt works and how their risk management works and how everything works together. Everything's working. You know, it's a, it's a lot of moving parts to, uh, to balance. And I think that, you know, what the survey found was, you know, people are getting advice that they need and seeking out information to, you know, be on that better road to feel good about their finances. You know, with all that you say, you, the elections are kind of in a lot of people's focus. Yes. You know, and yep. that, recently you saw that, you know, uh, Miss Clinton, she's, of course, her, she's fallen a little bit recently in the polls, mm -hmm. you know, and then you see that the uh, market kind of reacted to that a little bit, Trump's up a little bit. Overall, I mean, you know, guys, you just have to understand that's we're not going to worry too much about who's elected and who is in the White House. Or, you know, it's the economics. Now, we do con get concerned about their policies. But sure. if we've got, you know, balance of power in our country works. And so there's that mindset. So with even with the election focus. We're still seeing people optimistic about where they are today. And that's a conversation that happens every four years. Exactly. Yes. exactly. <laughs> nothing, nothing different this time around. People are always worried about it every four every, years. Every, it's a, almost something you, exactly. you can count on. No question about it. All right, guys. Well, we covered some things that this FINRA survey said. We are a little better off in some areas, and we've discussed that. And we encourage you, if you looked at any one of those five, and you didn't fall in that side of the first survey saying, hey, I feel better or I'm doing this, then you maybe ought to give us a call. We'll be glad to help you walk through some of those things. When we come back, we've got Rebecca Brazier. She's going to do our Mid-South History Moment in just a minute. But when we come back, we're going to talk about Generation X. That's in the middle. That's me. The millennials. That's right. And uh, baby boomers. We'll talk about it, guys. It's all about retirement. It's all about what's a trend and how we think about it. So stay with us. We'll be right back. You're listening to Talk Money with Jim Shoemaker. Podcasts of the Talk Money program are available for iOS mobile devices. Go to the iTunes store and search for Shoemaker Financial. Talk Money will return right after this. Memphis changed forever in 1909 when W.C. Handy first came to Bill Street. A song originally written for E.H. Crump's mayoral race established Handy as the first blues musician when the sheet music was published three years later under the title Memphis Blues. After his parents wouldn't let him buy a guitar, Handy devoted every spare moment of his time to playing a cornet. As a young man, Handy worked odd jobs and played in orchestras from Alabama to Indiana until forming a successful band in 1893. But the constant touring and low pay wore on Handy, who traveled with his band until they finally settled in Memphis, 
where through his writing and playing, he fused his own African-American heritage with American culture as a whole. His music brought people together, and his popularity spanned across racial divides in a radically new way. Although Handy rests in peace today, he lives forever in the Memphis blues. This has been another Mid-South History Moment, brought to you by Shoemaker Financial. You're listening to Talk Money with Jim Shoemaker. Be sure to like us on Facebook. Just search for Shoemaker Financial. And now, once again, here's your host for Talk Money, Jim Shoemaker. Well, again, I'm talking with Nathan Powell and Michael Powell, and we're discussing, we've been discussing some of the things that we found out that we're optimistic, and now we're going to almost throw a little cold water on it because we're going to find that the generations are different today than we would have thought. I mean, the reality is, generationally, we think different about retirement. Now, listen, I get that. I, you know, it's not surprised in the fact that if I sit down with a 25-year-old, Michael, uh, you know, I'm probably going to get a couple of sentences about retirement. <laughs> Shockingly better than what we would have thought. If I sit down with a 45-year-old, I maybe got a page or two. I sit down with a 55-year-old, and I got a book. You know what I mean? Because <laughs> yep, it's just yeah. more important. And I fully understand that. And the reality is we're going to be a little bit surprised with this. In fact, 77% of workers concerned today that Social Security is not going to be available. That doesn't sound too good, and the reality is we're going to find out why 77% later on. Five in ten, 50% of workers agree that they're saving enough for retirement. I'm a little shocked with that. I mean, but they're saying, hey, we're doing a good job. 65% of workers concerned that they won't be able to save enough by the time they get to 65. So now if you happen to be a millennial representing the millennials, is, again, Michael Powell. He represents them because he is one. That's right. <laughs> that Elected very, official there. Very true. The I didn't want that to sound any different than that. <laughs> only one in the room here. Only one it. in the room. So tell us what the millennials are doing today, Michael, about retirement. Well, I think from us looking at our parents, grandparents, other people, just in those different generations, we already know that we have a lot coming at us, That's especially that we have that higher concern about Social Security, like you said, too. Mm-hmm. And I think that majority of that percentage you said about earlier is that uh, high concern towards our end. I think you're exactly and right. And from a long-term standpoint, we know that we can't depend on things that maybe you and your generation is depending on, or maybe even Nathan's generation. Mm-hmm. So it's more of a do-it-yourself mentality. And with all the different factors and all the different things going on, we're actually more aware of it, and I think that it's – a great sign for us, just in general. I was shocked to realize that we found out that 22, 22 yeah. that's a 2-2, two, two, <laughs> yeah. is the average age, the median age that starts saving for retirement. You could probably say that since we go to college, go to undergrad, you know, get done, I don't see a lot of people going to graduate school anymore. So that's probably why. Once they get done with college, going straight into the workplace and those corporations are getting them started. And, you know, I, you guys want more information. Yes, I mean, 75% it said on this survey that we're reading from is that the people your age now want, you know, good, solid information and advice to achieve what they're trying to do. They're not looking out there rolling the dice. They want to know what they're doing, and they're asking for it. That, I'm impressed with that. Yeah. And one factor that I have just thought about is, you know, our generation, we use a search engine as a verb. Google. <laughs> He's like, I'm going to Google it. I'm going to find out what it is. Exactly. Back when you were a 
Younger watch man. It, watch it. Back when you were a watch younger it. man, there wasn't a, Gosh, y'all just there wasn't a magic device that we could just you know look up Google, and say, oh, okay, yeah. well, here's, I, here's you know, some information about it. And w- that makes us more curious because if I can find out that information momentarily, then absolutely. I'm Actually, I was, I will tell you, that's a great point. I was having a conversation with someone recently, and in the process of a conversation, which lasted about 30 minutes, he went to his phone. I mean, we would be talking about something, and he'd say, Okay, Siri, tell me this, or, you know, let's Google that, right? He, I mean, it was like, I don't, I don't know the answer to that, but let me find out. I mean, it was amazing, <laughs> so you're exactly, you do yeah. use it as a verb. All right, now, anything else about the millennials that strike you as one, my, uh, you know, Michael, that you say, this is our group, this is what we're doing? Uh, one stat I thought that was interesting was that about a quarter of us don't even know how our retirement savings are invested, which is kind of a problem. And I think that's more on our end of being able to research that and do a little bit more. But consulting with someone that has been familiar with this for a long time. You know, and I found out that some of this is that you guys are willing to get advice. Yes. Uh, that That's amazing. That's a, You're willing to say, I don't know. Tell me. That's a huge step for the millennials. We're not that hard-headed, apparently. <laughs> Whoa, now is that directed at some Well, place? no, 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 of course not, of course yeah. not. You know, i got to control the mics a little better, John, <laughs> you know, with these, this group of guys. But you're right. I think you're right. You're not as hard-headed, and uh, you're willing to ask. Not yet, at least. Not yet. It comes. <laughs> I That's promise right. you. That's right. It, it comes. comes with age. If you just tuned in, we're talking with Michael Powell, Nathan Powell. Now we're walking through general trends, generational trends, in retirement. And when we come back, Michael's going, I mean, Nathan's going to give us what Michael has been talking about from the millennials. Nathan's going to talk about the Generation X guy. So, hey, you're listening to Talk Money on KWAM 990. I'm Jim Shoemaker. We'll be right back after this. You're listening to Talk Money with Jim Shoemaker. Be sure to like us on Facebook. Just search for Shoemaker Financial. Talk Money will return after this. Have you thought about pursuing a career in financial services but have no experience in the industry and need training? If you are goal-oriented, highly motivated, and enjoy working with people, you have the skill set Shoemaker Financial is looking for. Shoemaker Financial is continuing to grow their team of financial advisors in the Mid-South, and they're ready with the training and tools you need to get started. With over 35 years of providing professional advice, quality products, and excellent service in the Mid-South, you too can now be a part of their growing firm. If you're interested in learning more about this opportunity, contact Contact Keisha Parrish at 901-757-5757 or email at kparish at shoemakerfinancial.com. Helping you make the most of your money. This is Talk Money with Jim Shoemaker. And now, once again, here's your host for Talk Money, Jim Shoemaker. And we're talking with Nathan and Michael Powell. They're not brothers. They're not related. They're nice guys. Not even in the same generation. (laughs) One one's from Millennial and one's a Generation X. And we have, of course, the senior baby boomer. And we're talking about generational trends, you know, in retirement. And really what we're trying to find out is, are you thinking this way? You know, millennials, we had, I mean, Michael did a great job. I'm glad that, you know, kind of told us some basic things, and I'm saying, are you thinking that way if you happen to be a millennial? Now, let's deal with this, because yeah. I want, you know, Nathan, you to talk about Generation X, this group of guys and ladies that they're the first generation, okay, and the key is to this whole thing, to have access 
to the 401k plan the majority of their career. So it's in their minds. That's right. You know, and let me just start off by saying Generation X, I think that we get the best label. I mean, that just sounds super cool. Generation X. I mean, okay. what's a millennial right. baby boomer? Let's boom? see if we I mean, can control right? this microphone a little bit. <laughs> Is there a mute button? Yeah. Just, had, just had to shout out to my fellow Gen Xers out there. All right. But yeah, I mean, there, and unfortunately, that's, you know, there are maybe a couple good things to say, but I, I think the millennials have got us as far as this uh, planning is concerned. Okay. And there's some huge things that this study found if you're a fellow gen xer i mean this is probably talking about you and you know, take some personal inventory here you know they found that one of, one of the good things let's start out with the some of the great things 77 percent are participating in an employer-sponsored retirement savings plan typically those 401ks or something like it so they're taking advantage of you know an employee match putting in their money getting the free money on top from their employer and that's you know that's step one for you know attacking retirement Mm -hmm. you want to be able to participate in the things that are offered to you so bravo gen x 77 percent participation rate let's get it up if you're not already you know, taking advantage of that, start, start doing it. Absolutely. That's one thing that you can do that will immediately impact your saving for the future. Now, unfortunately, those people that are participating in those 401ks, three out of 10, that's a high number, have taken a loan or early withdrawal from that retirement plan. And, you know, rule of thumb is that money's got to be earmarked for retirement. Now we know some life happens sometimes, but you know, you need to be sitting down with someone to make sure before you take that loan out or an early withdrawal that that is truly your only option. You know, the reality is that's a good option if it's not abused. That's right. 100%. And you don't take those things. There's supposed to be ways to says to manage that. We've seen people work around that sometimes. But the reality is if you're saving for retirement, this needs to be your retirement plan. That's right. Yeah. You know, one in, and this is this is where we start getting a little more bleak here, which is, I guess, probably in line with Gen X and how we view the world. Um, over just one out of 10, so 10% are confident that they're going to be able to fully retire. That's not that's not great we're very concerned about it we th- we look at our parents we look at grandparents and how they entered into retirement and we're very nervous that we're not going to be able to do the same thing with confidence you know and i noticed too that literally you would have thought you guys would have been thinking social security was okay right. i understand why maybe nathan's generation says no but we found out that's not the case with you guys. That's right. You know, 86% are concerned that Social Security is not going to be there. Well, they're beating. I mean, that's you guys are beating Social Security number. up just as much as yeah. Nathan's group is. That's right. Every, everybody's giving it a bad rap and, and harping on it. You know, and entitlement reform will probably need to change. But, you know, we're very concerned about it. And that's going to put a that puts a huge responsibility on the shoulders of the worker and on our generation to be able to put money away for, you know, 20 years down the road. And if you're not already doing it, let's have a conversation to make sure that we can get you on the right track. All right. We've discovered that Nathan's generation millennials, I mean, Michael's generation's millennials, bottom line, you guys, age 22, average age for retirement, their retirement savings, they're saving money. You guys, the first generation to really participate and understand mm-hmm. 401k plans, that's a good thing. You are saving money. 77% are putting money into it. But you're borrowing money out, and you don't feel very good about Social Security. Uh, And the reality is, 
you don't feel like you're going to be able to fully retire. That's right. It's, so, a, it's a big concern. So that group, okay, now let's look at the baby boomers. The generation. Oh, okay. <laughs> I just okay. want you to understand, the generation. He saved the best for last, well, it apparently. Is. 34% of us believe that Social Security is going to be part of our retirement. We feel good about it. Our average median household income that we've set aside, $147,000. Two out of five are keeping their skills they're going to continue to work, possibly. That's okay. Some of them are going to work to age 70. Oh, we do have the less amount of time to recover from a recession. Sure. And, is, again, you guys, sure. are not. that's not a problem for you. And most of us, as I said, we do work through retirement. We may work further than that. But we've uh, seen where we've shifted careers a couple of times. And, you know, hey, we understand what it means to move your 401K. We manage that. We're a little bit more optimistic. We have been around and been through some things. Maybe we've been beat up a little bit. Maybe we are a little more stubborn, you know, and so we get that. I don't understand that. Two three two thirds plan to work beyond sixty five and or here's the key, not retire. Yeah. And I think that's the key right there. So guys, yeah. good job. I mean, you know, we need to think about generation, you know, when you think about millennials. I mean, Michael, you couldn't have done a better job giving us the destructions of what we should be doing, how to instruct us to move forward, that we're not so stubborn that you're willing to take advice. That I took away. Generation X, all the things you got going for you, you're still kind of locked up a little bit. You're exactly right. That's, That's right. a good group. And the reality is that, you know, you're not as confident that you're going to be able to fully retire. And we, all we're going to do is work longer. <laughs> You know? Aren't we all? <laughs> Aren't we all? <laughs> exactly health right. Most of them are like that. <clears throat> well, if you've been listening to us, of course, we've been, uh, I hope, giving you some great information. We hope we've entertained you a little bit today because that's kind of our purpose. And what we want to do is kind of instruct you, give you some thoughts and process, and then keep you moving financially and understanding your financial life. My board operator and then producer has been John McCommon. Great guest and content coordination, Francis Fortner. And, of course, production assistant Eleanor Moscovich. Mid-South History Moment by Rebecca Brazier and Drew Johnson. You know, guys, thank you so much again for being a part of the program. Nathan and Michael. Always a pleasure. The Cowboys. The Power power Hour. And, again, I appreciate so much (laughs) you tuning in and listening to us. We always thank you for being a part of the program. I'm Jim Shoemaker, and we're here every day we can be here. That's the key (laughs) all the time. We're here just helping you make the most of your money. Shoemaker, Michael Powell, and Nathan Powell are registered representatives and investment advisor representatives of Security and Financial Services Incorporated, securities dealer member FINRA SIPC. A registered investment advisor, Shoemaker Financial is independently owned and operated.